And welcome back to Toxic Bliss, Surviving Narcissism with me, Eamon Reese. My birthday had been at the end of July, and it passed without notice. My mom had called, of course, and Maggie and Eddie both said happy birthday, but Mike? Mike explained that he didn't do birthdays, so don't expect anything from him. He also didn't like any other holidays, so I should prepare for that. I didn't give it a lot of thought at the time, because I figured he was just in a grumpy mood and didn't have any money to get me a gift, and felt embarrassed about it. I was wrong, yet again, of course. We were going to get back on track with our story today. It was now late August of 2000. Eddie and Maggie and I had been living with Mike and his wife Tina for close to two months, and we had settled into somewhat of a routine. Eddie was working at a hardware store, and Mike had just found another day laborer job. Tina was very pregnant. Maggie and Bella were just about to start school, and I was wondering how we were going to make it all under one roof until a new apartment became available. We only had a few months to come up with a deposit for the new apartment, and Mike was going to have to help with that. He should have covered the whole thing, but he didn't have any money, and I wasn't sure how much he'd be making at his new job. I decided it was time to talk about it so that we could have a plan in place. Turns out that that was another phenomenally bad idea. Who knew? I had mentioned to Mike that I was getting our budget in order for the new apartment and and wondered if he wanted to go over it with me so he'd know what the plan was. Budget? What? We don't even have a new apartment yet. I worked one day this week and you're already after my paycheck? Oh no, that is not how this is going to work. I lost it. I was sick to death of his random angry outbursts over nothing. I was tired of walking on eggshells around him constantly because I never knew what might set him off. I was tired of pretending that everything was okay when he was in a good mood just to try to preserve it for as long as I could, but always knowing that at any moment the tides could turn. I was also sick and tired of him thinking I was going to support his stupid butt without his help. I told him all of this. Well, I say told, but in reality I just flipped out and screamed for a bit. At least in that moment, I was done caring about his gentle sensibilities and the monstrous chip on his shoulder. He looked at me in shock. He hadn't heard a word I'd said. All he'd heard was my anger, my outrageous insubordination. How dare I speak to him like that? He stormed out the door, and I quickly followed him. Oh no, you're not just going to walk away because you don't like it when you get yelled at. Grow up. We have to talk about this. I am not your mother. He kept walking, and I kept following. He was walking very fast, knowing I couldn't keep up with him easily. Any time I'm upset about anything, you just run away instead of dealing with it. Stop being such a chicken. And he kept walking, a little faster now. I had to jog every so often just to keep up. We kept on like this for quite a while, me trying to get through to him, to get him to stop and talk to me, and him walking a little faster and a little faster. Stop, I yelled. No, he said, this is my natural pace. It's not my fault your legs are so short. Try to keep up. A jog would be good for you anyway. But at that exact moment, before I could even respond to this dig about my weight, I felt a sharp sting on my leg. Ow! I yelled and stopped running and looked. 
A car was driving by with some teenage boys in it yelling and hooping and hollering. I noticed the passenger was holding a box of eggs, and sure enough, that's what had hit me. I yelled a few choice words. It really stung, and now I had egg running down the outside of my leg. And Mike just laughed. I had just had enough. Why was I chasing this guy, this man-child? If he got so mad from just a conversation about a budget, then how on earth would we have any kind of life together? I was also mad that he didn't know the rule. The guy always walks on the outside of the sidewalk. This is why that rule was in place. What a complete jerk. I turned around and started walking back the way we came. I heard Mike yelling to me, Hey, I'm sorry. Are you okay? I ignored him and I kept walking. Oh, now who's being the baby? You're going the wrong way. I just continued to walk and continued to ignore him. I was crying now and so intensely frustrated, humiliated, and just disgusted with the entire mess. This wasn't what love was supposed to feel like, and that seemed like the only truth that I had left to hold on to. I got back to the apartment, tired, spent, and emotionally broken. I decided to stay outside and have a cigarette before going in. Even though my leg was still stinging and needed a good wash, I just wasn't ready to deal with anything yet. Plus, I wanted a few quiet minutes to relax and calm down before Mike got back, assuming he was behind me somewhere. The back door opened and out came Mike. What took you so long, he asked, laughing, in his stupid, irritating sing-song voice. How'd you get here before me, I asked him. He just laughed again and pointed at a line of trees just down the way a bit. We were right there when you turned around and left me. If you had just kept going the right way, you would have been here in half a minute. I put my head in my hands. I had run after him barefoot, not expecting to go out on a half-hour hike. Walking back angry, I was sure I had stepped on every possible pebble, rock, and piece of glass in Florida. All of that, and I had been within a hundred feet of the apartment. Ugh. I was so sick of this day already. Ah, he said, come inside. Let's get you cleaned up. I went inside and straight to the bathroom without saying anything. He started to walk in the bathroom behind me but I turned and closed the door on him. I figured I could handle washing my leg by myself. When I came out, he was leaning against the wall right next to the door, waiting for me. That was oddly unsettling. Want to play some Diablo? he asked with a smile. No, I said as I walked to the kitchen to get a soda. I want to talk about a budget for our new apartment. I want to talk about plans for life after we get out of here. I want to talk about real things, important things, without you getting all bent out of shape. When you're ready to do that, come talk to me. Until then, just give me some damn space. I took my soda and flopped down on the couch. Mike had stayed in the kitchen, thankfully. Let him play online for a while. That would give me some thinking room. And of course, as it happened, every single time I wanted a minute alone to think, someone else came into the scene. Eddie walked down the stairs and said, Oh, there you are. Where were you? I got Maggie to bed, but we need to talk. Don't ask, I said flatly. What's up? Well, don't be mad, but I decided to move out. I'm going to move in with Vampirella, and I'm leaving tonight. I spit out the soda that was in my mouth. You what? Yeah, sorry, it's just, it's too weird here. She said I could just move in with her, so I'm packed and ready to go. Cab is on the way. It's not far, so I can still be with Maggie and all, and I'll stay in touch, he said almost apologetically. Eddie, I'm not worried about me or Maggie, but... Are you sure this is a good idea? He nodded. Yeah, I don't see why not. Well, okay then. But 
Did you explain this to Maggie? We should have talked to her together about it before it happened. He said they had a long talk and she was fine and he'd see her tomorrow after work. I just shook my head. This was all too much. He said bye and left. Mike, of course, was eavesdropping and came in and said, Well, one down, one to go. What? I asked him. One of our spouses down. Now we just have Tina left. And I shot him a please shut up face, but he misread it. He sat down next to me and put an arm around me. Are you okay? He asked, almost sincerely. I'm fine. I stood up and went back outside to my thinking spot. I sat out there for about an hour, blessedly alone. My head was a complete train wreck, as my life had become. What was I doing here? How did I let all of this happen? There wasn't any fixing to be done, and I felt utterly alone and completely stuck. I wanted out. I wanted to roll back the clock about two months and make different choices. But alas, life doesn't work that way. Mike came out and said that he was sorry to interrupt, but Eddie was on the phone for me. Eddie? What? he just left. What was he calling for already? Mike shrugged and handed me the phone. Hi, Eddie. What's up? I asked. Can I come back? I don't know what to do. He was crying. What happened? What's wrong? I got to her house, and, and I knocked on the door, and some guy answered. He said he was her husband, and I needed to leave, or he'd kill me, and never to talk to his wife again. I don't know what happened. She never said she was married. What am I supposed to do? Wait, Eddie, are you sure you were at the right house? Didn't you talk to her earlier, and she told you to come over? Yeah, that's what she said. She never said anything about a husband. Oh, good grief, Eddie. What a mess. Well, just come back here and we'll figure it out, I told him. He said he had put in a call to his mom. She was in Clearwater and she might come up to get him. He'd call me back as soon as he'd heard from her and let me know. Well, all right, I told him, but good luck and please reconsider going to your mom's. You don't need that kind of headache. You can just come back here and the three of us can get our own place. He said he'd call me as soon as he knew. We said our goodbyes and I sat there stunned for a few minutes. Mike had been listening the whole time. He asked what happened, and I gave him the story, and he laughed so hard that tears were pouring down his face. I didn't think it was that funny, especially given our own situation, but he was delighting in Eddie's predicament, and I just glared at him. I was completely out of words for the day. Eddie called back a few minutes later and said that his mom was on her way to pick him up. Well, how are you going to see Maggie if you're all the way down in Clearwater, I asked him. He said he'd figure something out. Right, okay, well, just call me when you get settled and we'll make a plan. Good night. I went back inside and put the phone on the base. I thought a nice hot bubble bath would help. Plus, the bathroom door had a lock on it. Before I even made it to the steps, I heard Tina yelling. Now what? I wondered. Mike, it's time, she yelled. It's time. Time for what? T oh, God, the baby! Mike ran upstairs and collected Tina and her pre-packed overnight bag and helped her down the steps. Tina was talking to me about Bella, and I said, Just go. I'll be with the girls. Just go. Go. And they left. I went upstairs to check on the girls, and they were fast asleep in Bella's room. So I went back down to the living room and sank onto the couch. I didn't think I wanted to be with Mike anymore. My husband had just moved out, and he was going back to his mom's house. After all the crap she'd done to us, plus he'd be so far away from Maggie, 
Ugh, she was going to be devastated. And Mike was on his way to the hospital with his wife, who was about to have their second child. Oh, wait, it's definitely not his, right? I think I was almost jealous of Eddie in that moment. All I wanted in the world was to call my mom and have her come pick me up and take me home where it was safe and normal. I fell asleep while lost in these thoughts, my face wet with tears. We're going to pause here for a short break, and we'll find out what wakes me up when we get back. Welcome back. It was sometime in the middle of the night when Mike came home. He woke me gently and took my hands, pulling me to my feet. Come on, he said, and I followed him in a sleepy haze. He led us upstairs and we climbed into bed. I woke the next morning disoriented for a moment until I realized where I was. Oh, God! I woke Mike as I scrambled out of bed and pulled my clothes on. What are you doing here? Why aren't you at the hospital? Ugh, why did you bring me up here last night? Gross! Morning, sunshine, he said laughing. Because this was all so funny, right? I went downstairs to find the girls already up and watching cartoons on TV. Bella asked where her mom was, and I explained, and she got super excited. I told them to go play for a bit, and I'd have breakfast ready in a few minutes. Mike came down the stairs just a minute later. He explained that Tina wasn't ready to have the baby last night, so he decided to come home and get some sleep. The nurses would call when it was time, and he would head back. You should go be with her, I told him. But why, he asked. What? Because she's about to have your baby. He laughed again. It's not mine, I swear. So? That doesn't even matter right now. Go be with her. But he refused. I gave up and returned to breakfast. After we ate and cleared up, Mike asked if we should take the girls to the pool for the day. We can't go to the pool, I said. You need to be near a phone. Jeez. Is this what you're going to do to me if we have a baby? Oh, honey, no, 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 no. Oh, is that what you're worried about? Oh, my gosh, come here, sweetheart, he said as he wrapped his arms around me and petted my hair. I love you. I don't love Tina anymore, and I swear it's not my baby. You are totally different. Oh, honey, oh, baby, don't ever worry about that. I will be at your side the whole way, I promise, okay? There was something so convincing about these performances that I'll never truly understand. I know that part of it was my desire to believe it, but that wasn't the whole story. He was so very good at this. We stayed inside all afternoon, waiting for the phone to ring, be it Eddie or the hospital. We played some kid-friendly video games with the girls, we had an indoor picnic lunch, and I did some laundry. It was actually kind of nice. This is what I could imagine our life being like eventually. He seemed happy, relaxed, and content. The girls fully enjoyed his attention all day, and he reciprocated their joy fully. I couldn't help but smile. Then the phone rang. I could hear Tina's voice from across the room. She was yelling. He was snappish and irritated with her. I'll be there when I get there, I heard him say as he hung up the phone. I looked at him and sighed and said, Just go, please, for me. He got up, grabbed the keys, and stormed out. I tried to keep up the positive energy from that afternoon with the girls. We ordered some pizza, we played some games, and eventually got them into the bath and then safely tucked into bed. I played Diablo all by myself until the wee hours of the morning. I had fallen asleep on the couch again, but this time I wasn't disturbed until the sunlight came through the windows and fried my eyeballs. 
It was already 9 a.m. Wow, the girls were still sleeping, or at least very, very quiet and possibly up to no good, so I ran upstairs to check on them. Yep, they were still sound asleep. Perfect. I headed for the shower. I was in the middle of shampooing my hair when Mike slipped in behind me. He scared me half to death. I hadn't even heard him come in. We stayed in the shower until the water ran cold. The girls were up by this time and making a racket. As we were dressing, I asked about Tina and the baby. She had had a baby girl early this morning and would be staying in the hospital until tomorrow. Everyone was healthy and doing well, and that was really good news. I spent the afternoon getting ready for the baby to come home. I put the playpen together, got the car seat installed. I washed all the tiny little onesies and blankets so they'd be nice and fresh for her. I sterilized the baby bottles that I had found in the Walmart bag collection, just in case they'd be needed. I went to the grocery store and I got a solid week's worth of food, some really healthy things that I could make to make sure Tina ate well with lots of good nutrition in case she wanted to breastfeed. I was quite busy with all this and hoped that someday I'd be the one coming home with a new baby. The girls decorated the living room with some streamers and balloons to welcome the new arrival. I tried to get Mike to go back to the hospital for a visit at least, or maybe even take Bella to meet her new sister, but he wanted no part of it. I didn't push it, because we'd had a great day and I didn't want to spark another outburst. Mike invited me up to his room again that night, but this time, fully awake and in control of my faculties, I declined. He spent the night in the living room with me instead. I could live with that. The next morning came and Mike rushed off to get Tina and the baby. She was being discharged at 9 a.m., and he was already late by the time we got up and dressed. They came home, and we all congregated in the living room so the girls could meet the new baby. After a short time, Tina took the baby and disappeared upstairs with Mike. I felt awkward in a way that words cannot express. Things got easier in the coming days. The girls had started school, so there was some structure and routine to the day. Tina basically just stayed upstairs, but seemed grateful for the help. I would wash and sterilize the bottles, I'd cook for everyone, do the dishes, laundry, take care of the baby whenever Tina needed a shower or something. It was still awkward, but less so given that Tina felt entirely comfortable having me care for her new infant. One night she asked if I would babysit so her and Mike could go out on a date. I agreed and worked very hard to stay in control of my facial expression. They went out and I played house again with the girls, all three of them. It wasn't an unpleasant evening, all things considered. Things continued much the same way for the next month. I had learned a few of the triggers that set off Mike's meltdowns and had managed to avoid many of them. As long as I was going along with his version of reality and not calling him out on anything he had done wrong, we were pretty much fine. Of course, this meant pretending to be perfectly happy as his live-in housekeeper, nanny, and mistress. Remember that couple that I had mentioned that lived nearby and had invited Mike and I to a cookout? Well, we hadn't made it for the first invite, but they asked me again, and we decided to go. Tina was all recovered from the birth, and I figured the baby was still too young for her to be feeding it milk duds, so it was probably safe to leave for a day. I made sure that everything she needed was there. She wasn't the most proactive person I'd ever met, and I'd left her the phone number of where we'd be in case there was an emergency. I was a little surprised at how concerned I was about leaving Tina alone with her own child, and Bella and Maggie to boot, but Tina really seemed as lost and unprepared for the world as the baby herself. We left and headed for the cookout. I was excited. 
This was the first time I had been out and about in a month at least without any children in tow. It felt great, and I put my fears and concerns behind me, and I was determined to have a good time. We arrived at their house and were ushered into the backyard, which consisted of an outdoor living space complete with a cooking area, lots of tables, chairs, and a completely screened-in pool with a waterfall. Oh, this was great! It was a long greeting process, as I had met so many of the people at this party online, but had never seen them in person before. So I introduced myself and then introduced everyone to Mike, as most of them had heard all about the story, but had never talked to him before, online or otherwise. We sat down at a long table with a few people, and the hostess asked what we'd like to drink. Mike piped up. Oh, she'll help you with that. Go help her get some drinks for everyone, he told me. I thought that was a little odd, but I went with it, because that's what you do. So I went with our host to procure some beverages for everyone at the table. When I returned, I overheard a conversation Mike was having with Bill, the male half of the couple that I had become close to. Mike had said something about being between jobs at the moment, and Bill had replied that he was terribly sorry, that must be awful. And Mike didn't understand what he meant. He said, well, it's fine, I'll find something eventually, but I'm enjoying the time off. Bill said that he would be freaking out if he was him. He couldn't stand the thought of his family doing without because he was too lazy to work. I coughed and sputtered a bit at that, knowing how Mike would likely react, but to my great pleasure and astonishment, Mike just let it slide. Phew, bullet dodged for sure. Bill had gone over to the large outdoor grilling space and started cooking with a few other guys pitching in. A few people had jumped into the pool, and Mike decided that would be our best bet too. He stood up and motioned me toward the pool. I had the forethought to wear my bathing suit under my clothes, and I was really glad for that now. It only took a second to change, and I leaped eagerly into the water. Carol, our hostess, was sitting on the edge of the pool, and we were chatting with her while floating around in the water. She mentioned how much she loved the pool, and how her and Bill would go skinny-dipping almost every night before bed. It was the best way to relax. Mike thought that was a great idea, and told me to take off my bathing suit. I splashed him playfully and told him he was crazy. Carol just laughed, assuming as I did, that he was just joking. But he was not. You want to ride home, he said. Take it off or I'm leaving you here. I looked at him like he had completely lost his mind. No, I said, of course I'm not taking off my bathing suit at a party full of people I'd only just met. Cut it out, Mike, that's not funny. Carol tried to intervene. She said, you guys are free to spend the night here. We have a great guest room. You can go skinny-dipping later after everyone leaves. That'll be fun. Mike was not interested. He splashed me right in the face, called me a baby, and swam away. I instantly teared up. Carol put a hand on my shoulder and said, Come inside with me a second. I climbed out of the pool and wrapped in a giant towel that Carol handed me. She led me into the house and into her bedroom and had signaled Bill on the way. He followed in after us. Honey, she started as she moved my hair out of my face and tucked it behind my ear. I've seen guys like this a hundred times, and they're always trouble. Are you okay? Bill came and sat down next to me. These two strangers, and their obvious concern for my well-being, on the heels of that exchange with Mike in the pool, kind of broke me. Have you ever had one of those moments where you've been keeping so much inside for so long, and then someone asks you, very caringly, if you're okay, and you just let loose the flood? That's what happened there. 
I started bawling like a baby. Bill asked Carol what happened in the pool, and she explained, while I cried like a five-year-old. Oh, God, one of those, he said. Honey, has he hit you? Tell us, it's okay, we'll help you. No, he hadn't, I explained. He almost did once, but he stopped himself. He's just a jerk sometimes. I told them my story, in a highly abbreviated way, and they said that I could stay there with them, and Bill would send one of his friends to the apartment to get Maggie and bring her back up here, and they would make sure I got back to Connecticut if they had to drive us there themselves. I couldn't believe their generosity, and I was this close to saying yes, but I didn't. I said, no, it's okay, he wasn't that bad, and I was just overtired with the new baby in the house and all of that, and I hadn't had anyone to talk to for so long. I apologized for dumping it all on them, and I was fine, really. Carol looked me right in the eye and said, Sweetie, I've been there. I've dated guys like him before, and they don't change, and they don't get better. They get worse. But like you, I thought I could handle him. If you're not ready to leave him, I understand. It took me a long time, too, so how about this? If you ever decide that you need to get out of there... You call me any time, day or night, and we will come get you immediately and get you home, okay? I promise we'll be here for you. Do you promise you'll call me if you need us? I nodded, and I hugged them both. That They looked at each other, concerned, but I dried my eyes, and I felt immediately better, just knowing that someone understood and someone cared, and if I needed a rescue, there was one available to me. Life felt a little bit brighter. We went back outside, and Mike was standing against a pillar drinking a beer. You ready to go now? he asked. I didn't want to leave, but I knew that if we stayed, something was going to explode, so it was better to make a clean exit. Carol walked us out and hugged me in tightly and said, Remember, you promised, and I nodded again and thanked her. We got in the car. Promised her what? Mike asked. Ugh, of course he'd heard that. Oh, nothing, I just promised I'd stay in touch, that's all. I could tell that Mike didn't really believe me, but it was plausible enough that he couldn't really argue about it either. We drove all the way home in silence, their words echoing in my head. Why didn't I take them up on their offer? I'd wanted to run home to my mother so many times that summer, and when a way was finally offered to me, why didn't I leap at the chance? Well, there was one more secret that I was hiding from Mike at that time. I was pregnant. Tune in to the next episode for the big reveal, the big fight, and a confrontation with Tina and the truth. Until then, thanks for listening and take care. People ask me what my secret is, I just smile and say.